Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's going on, y'all? It's your host, Will. Coming back for a new episode of the Outstand Podcast. 4th of July, just want to wish all y'all out there a very happy and safe 4th of July, Independence Day, happy birthday, America. And I thought that, you know, how can I put a podcast up today that's going to go off with a bang, essentially. And so I'm actually coming off fresh from an event at Silencer Central right before 4th of July. So it's a great way to pretty much kick off America, Independence Day, by going to a grand opening of Silencer Central's new HQ this past week. And we got to spend a lot of time going in, seeing their new HQ, watching everything that they're doing over there. We got to go shoot a lot of guns, which is pretty awesome. Got to send it some full sends with some awesome guns and testing out some cans that they had. So it was a lot of fun. And so while we were there, I had the chance to sit down with Brandon Maddox, who is the CEO of Silencer Central, and we got to dive into the whole suppressor buying process. Now, I've worked in a gun store before, and I've seen a lot of pains firsthand from a lot of customers about how the whole silencer or suppressor buying process has been over the past few years. And what Silencer Central has done is pretty special. They've made the process of buying a suppressor frictionless, a lot easier for the consumer, for the buyer. And so we get to sit down with Brandon to talk about how that has been, how, how they've done that, a little bit of past about Silencer Central and kind of what he's gone through and what he's done to get the company to where it is today, along with the help of many others. So nonetheless, just want to thank Brandon for hopping on the podcast today. We're going to dive into it and we hope you enjoy. All right, man, you ready to get this thing rolling? Yes, sir. All right. Brandon, first and foremost, welcome to the Hunt Stand Podcast. Yes, sir. Excited to be here. Well, man, glad to have you. Appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day. It was Really cool getting in here. This is actually the first time that I've been in an office setting in two to three years since 
perfect know, COVID craziness. And so yeah. it was really cool to get to see you with your team this morning, sitting in, sitting through that team meeting. We're at y'all's new HQ. And so, man, one of the things I love to do to start this podcast out is I love for the guests to give the listeners kind of that 30 foot tree stand view of who you are. So kind of tell us, you know, who you are, where you're from and how you've gotten to where you are now. Oh, me specifically? You specifically. Okay, Let's sure. dive into you. Yeah, no, uh, I probably took a different route than most, but um, Brandon Maddox, born in Alabama, mm -hmm. raised in Georgia, went to school for his college in North Carolina. Okay. Um, weird background, undergrad in pharmacy school at Chapel Hill, UNC. Really? And I uh, did my MBA at Duke. So I spent about 15 years in pharmaceuticals after I finished pharmacy school, and then they paid for me to go to MBA school. Um, yeah, I moved up the ranks in sales, marketing, marketing management, sales management, regional manager. Yeah. And then I saw this young lady and they said, you don't want to meet her. She's from South Dakota. <laughs> and I found out what that means is you end up in South Dakota. <laughs> and here you are. Here I am. So, <laughs> pharmacy to suppressors. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? It gets everything. And then people don't like that. I went to Chapel and Duke. They're like, man, they're arch, they're arch rivals. How could you do that? <laughs> I'm like, well, Duke was more expensive and my employer was paying. So why not get the most of your... <laughs> Big bang for your buck right yeah, there. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. So... How did you, how did you get here? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, you know, I would say that firearms were in my DNA. My uncle and my grandfather, mm -hmm. my mom's dad were really into firearms. Okay. But I would say my parents, I didn't really grow up on, around firearms. Mm -hmm. And my parents have never said it. I mean, they're super conservative, Southern Baptist, you know, 100%. But um, I think they felt like firearms were probably blue collar. And they wanted us to be white collar. You know, that was yeah. the, the goal. Um, but as I got older, it's, you know, you're on your own and you do what you want. So um, what I realized very quickly when I met my wife's family here in South Dakota is my father-in-law, pharmacist as well, mm -hmm. had a federal farms license in his pharmacy. Uh, what? Yeah. And my wife has, you know, three brothers that are all gun nuts. So her dad and all her brothers are gun nuts. So it's like, okay, it's time to embrace my intergenetic <laughs> hobby and start shooting. So when I moved to South Dakota, you know, even before I got to South Dakota, I started shooting shotgun a lot, shooting mm -hmm. trap, enjoyed it, super fun. Yeah. Um, and then it was kind of the trap was to prepare me for pheasant hunting because I was a big deal out here and that's something I had not been exposed to. So I got um, into, you know, pheasant hunting when I got out here and then I started getting into prairie dog hunting. And I was a regional manager for a big pharmaceutical company, French company, and I mm -hmm. covered this whole, like, whatever you can think of the big states, you know, Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Dang. Nebraska, Iowa. I had a big geography with employees throughout. And I found myself a lot of times in the grasslands at, you know, up till like 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. And it stays light out here that long in the summer. Yeah, and I'm seeing all these rats running around in the prairie, and I'm like... I don't remember ever even seeing these things growing up. So uh -huh. I asked somebody like, what's the story on these rats out here? <laughs> and, you know, as a kid shooting rats at the 22, I was like, this would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and what I liked about the idea of shooting them is everyone embraced your willingness to want to shoot them. You could shoot them in shorts. You just set a little bench up. Uh, you don't have to cook them. You don't have to eat them. You don't have to clean them. Yeah. Um, and they're pretty stupid. So they kind of stay in, <laughs> you know, they give even someone like me a lot of shots to yeah. get a chance to hit them. But what I found was, um, you know, once you start shooting them, they do wise up a little bit and they start mm -hmm. scattering pretty quick. They hear that shot and they're like, okay, I uh, see my buddy just, uh, he's gone. So I want to make sure I preserve my own life. I'm out of here. And that's when I got the idea of, gosh, I ought to use a suppressor to, to mitigate this sound. Yeah. 
And um, also, you can get a little bit faster around and get rid of that recoil with a suppressor. True. So you could step up to a 22250. The thing that people always ask me, what's the worst thing about South Dakota? And a lot of people think it's a cold. To me, it's the wind. And it just is, it's a huge challenge because you got nothing yeah. blocking the wind. So on a prairie, um, stepping up a little bit, a little bit more gunpowder in a 22250 to me is better. Cuts mm-hmm. to the wind better, straighter shot. Um, and then Fast. putting a suppressor on there, yeah, helps with that recoil. So yeah. it gets it back down to a smaller, like almost you know, less than a 223. But honestly, that's how I got into it. So I, you know, 20 years ago, walked into a local gun store, bought a suppressor. It was a nightmare process. Um, really? And I think they were just unapologetic. They were just like, do you sure you want to buy this? And why do you want this? And, you know, there was almost trying to talk me out of it. Mm-hmm. And the whole process of buying it, typically the way it works in a gun store is one person just to keep it coordinated. And then one person knows the rules. You have a single point of contact. And, a, and there's really no retail setting where you can walk in and have a single point of contact and it actually works well. Yeah. So it just became, a, well, he's off today and he'll be back tomorrow and he's working at our other store and his dad gave him the day off. And, you know, it just, it felt horrible. There just wasn't a whole lot of support mm-hmm. or handholding or, and it was a complete unknown and, you know, it just, the process was horrible. But I loved it so much after I, I bought the first one. The first one I went super cheap. I went 100% stainless steel. I was amazed at how well it worked. I actually ran out of ammo the first time I shot prairie dogs with it because they weren't running. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is just too much fun. Totally. But then the second one, I it was, so the first one I bought was really, it was too heavy. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, stainless steel is too heavy. So second one I bought was really short. So it was lighter, but it's too loud. So then when I got to the third, I was like, you know, I just can't keep buying these locally. It's just more painful to have to work with these people. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, you know, if my father-in-law has a federal farms license in his pharmacy, and my wife's got three brothers that are gun nuts. <laughs> then I'm thinking I can probably um, find a way to create a situation where I can do this myself. So that's what I did. Oh, yeah. Basically got a license. The goal, honestly, when I first started was really just to buy for myself. Yeah. And then what I found out is there was a lot of coyote hunters and a lot of prairie dog hunters in South Dakota and North Dakota that had the mm-hmm. same idea of, gosh, I wish I could make this a little bit easier to purchase this. And then... That's how I got into it. And, I, you know, it's easy when you have passion for it because um, to shoot and they all scatter and then to set up and shoot and they don't leave, it's just, it was such a game changer. Oh, yeah. And what I like, you know, my wife, because I would work gun shows. That's how I started. I worked every show I could find. Um, and my wife's always like, wow, do you feel hard? Do you do you ever feel guilty you're pushing this so hard on people? Because um, I was pretty aggressive at shows, but mm-hmm. I was like, you know, honey, I've been doing this a long time. Like 100% of people hundred percent of people come back after they get it and go, I wish I'd done this 20 years ago. Yeah. It's just a hundred percent. Like everyone's on board. So I told her, yeah, you got to convince them that it's legal. You got to convince them it's a benefit to them. You got to convince them it's going to enhance their hunt and you got to convince them you got the right product and you got the right process. So it's not an easy sell, but what's great is once they're hooked, gosh, they come back and they're a huge advocate and they tell their friends and they tell their friends, friends. Um, yeah, it just it kind of exploded from that, trying to make the process simple. Just spread like wildfire, didn't it? Totally, yeah. And it wasn't easy. Gosh, I mean, I remember going to shows and, you know, you know, I live here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a map, you know, everyone's like, where the heck's that? It's literally bordering Minnesota, bordering Iowa, bordering Nebraska. So you have all these states together. When I first started doing this in 2005, the suppressors were illegal in Minnesota and Iowa. Really? Yeah, so you'd work a show in Sioux Falls and you might have... 30% or 40% of the attendees would come to the show and they're illegal in their state. So their first thing out of their mouth is, wow, these are illegal. What are you doing here? And you try to talk to them and, you know, we'd even kid that, hey, you're from a blue state. We got to get you a blue band at the front door so we know you can't <laughs> buy cool stuff. And <laughs> I like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> the blue wristband. Yeah, totally. We used to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you heard that one. Yeah, yeah. You're from Minnesota. They should have given you a blue band and you came in, man. What happened? How'd you miss that? <laughs> I like that. Oh man. So let's, I want to dive into, you know, a little bit of why we're here. You know, let's talk about y'all are having this big ribbon cutting event, VIP day at the gun range. We're going to get to see some tours and stuff later today. How awesome is that for you to go from being the pharmacist with the FFL to where Silencer Central is today? Yeah, no, it's super exciting. Um, you know, and really, I guess if I've learned anything is that you have to really promote your business too. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started doing this, you know, when I when I finally made the leap from, you know, I, I had to keep my day job for a long time. So I used Did to you? work. Oh, yeah. I used to work weekends. I mean, all the shows were on the weekends. So I literally worked seven days a week. Like uh, five o'clock, I'd leave work and I'd drive to the show and then work the show all weekend and then come home. Man. Um, yeah. So I did that for, gosh, forever. I mean, we started in 2005. So I did that for a long, long time. Um, but the first sort of office building I bought, I remember one day I was thinking, all right, I got to get out of here. Just the main thing what I needed was someone to help me do transfers because mm-hmm. people would always want to meet at my house, which was fine. But it got to a point where people would say they come and they did and then you're waiting for them and then it impacts the family and it just got to be too much. So I said, I need to hire an employee and put them in an office where they can meet people, you know, during the day, even if I'm at work. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just, it was right during Sandy Hook. And at that time, even this town, which I would consider South Dakota and Sioux Falls to be very conservative after Sandy Hook and the shootings, it just, it seemed like people didn't, I don't want to say shunned the firearms industry, but it was mm-hmm. kind of a, you know, people weren't waving a flag, you know, supporting yeah. the whole, so it was tough to, you know, go into a building and kind of have that. Um, so I would, to circle back, I would say I see it as my job to be an advocate for the Second Amendment, mm-hmm. be an advocate for hunting, and be an advocate for, you know, South Dakota and suppressors. Um, you know, I did some test testifying on the state senate for National Shooting Sports Foundation NSSF this year. Okay, and what I learned is, and I I I typically testify. It seems like every other year an issue comes up, and someone calls you the NRA or. Um, and I've had some of my own issues as well, but mm-hmm. I found that if we don't have a strong voice in the state, us meaning Second Amendment, but also us meaning Silencer Central, when I do show up to testify, I don't really have an audience or I don't have that trustworthiness or I don't have that confidence. So this past weekend, I spent the whole weekend doing a display at the Republican GOP convention. So oh. part of part of this event is multifactorial. One, okay. um, it's growing, so we need more employees. Mm-hmm. So if employees haven't heard of us, then they're not going to want to work here. Um, I always tell people that we started out as South Dakota silencer, then we were Dakota silencer. Now we're silencer central. Okay. And so everyone in this town and the States really heard of silent, heard of Dakota silencer. Cause we used to advertise a ton in the state, just billboards everywhere. And, um, you know, now that we're in all 42 States, it makes more sense to focus our efforts, you know, across 42 States yeah. instead of just South Dakota. Absolutely. But people still think of us as Dakota silencer. So we mm-hmm. got to get our name out there better as silencer central for employees to hire people as we continue to grow. The second thing is politicians. Um, Even at federal level, so much, so much of my world is a hundred percent focused around federal. So the question is, how do you, how do you get that federal exposure, that federal awareness? Like when there's issues that impact second amendment, I want our elected officials federally to call us. 
And the only way we could do that is to really get our name out there. So to me, today's event is um, it's going to feel like some chest pounding and, you know, getting but it's really honestly to help us get more employees, good employees. Because, mm-hmm. um, gosh, I remember when I first started, I had no benefits. I had this little office building. I mean, it's a hard sell. Hey, come work with me. Come help me out. Come, you know, yeah. it's a tough sell. You feel guilty almost asking someone to give up their current job to come work with you know, with you, it's a tough. So now it's how do we get more employees here? But then again, secondly, it's really the political play in my mind, because the other thing I find, and a lot of people don't like to say this, but I have excellent relationships with our federally elected officials. Mm-hmm. ATF knows that. I like ATF. I get along with ATF really well, but they always make the comment, Brandon, you're super politically connected. And my response <laughs> mentally is don't forget it. <laughs> yeah, don't forget it. Don't forget it. Because I've had to leverage that in cases, you know, like mm-hmm. if, the, if the governor needs to send something to the feds or if like um, our U.S. Senator Thune or if we need to get someone involved, if they're dragging their feet and not responding or we got customer issues and they won't resp- you know, respond or resolve. Yeah. It's good to have, I had issues with the post office before, so it's good to have that where you can call them and you don't get that unless you pound your chest unfortunately so today in my mind it's all about promoting ourselves Mm -hmm. for for you know the employees but also for kind of the federal part and then the rest i think um it's also a trust thing i think people hear silencers they think you know back alleys dark rooms trunks you know they think the worst yeah so how do we show them that you know we have a lot of former executives here from like local health um you know organizations the biggest employers in this town are from the hospitals so Mm -hmm. they've recruited some of the top talent away from these hospitals to come here um has been great because then it just recruits more top talent yeah what, what i find is people People that are top performers that are in a career, they like it because it pays well, but yeah. it, they get to a point where they really don't have an impact. They can't do, they can't impact change. Mm-hmm. They're basically unable to make things move forward or make things happen because they're part of a bigger organization. And when they see a small organization that's growing really fast, they're like, wow, maybe I should consider going there because I could actually get things done, have a bigger impact. They want to be a part of it. Totally. And that's what we're seeing. So it's just kind of building on that momentum. Well, man, I got to tell you, like just walking in and seeing this new HQ that y'all have just the building when you first walk in the lobby and everything you'll have upstairs, downstairs. I don't know why somebody wouldn't want to come work here. I know it's super nice. I think that last night that's how we did sort of an employee activity where employees mm-hmm. could bring their family. And, you know, interesting story. We hired a gal, um, you know, she may not want me to give too much personal information, but she was against getting the COVID shot and her mm-hmm. employer said, you got to have it. And she was in Wisconsin and she saw we had a, a posting here and she just up and left. I mean, a young girl, uh, not married, no family, just yeah. said, I'm out of here. And, you know, we probably have 15 or 20 people like that that left other states because they didn't like sort of the mandates that the government was putting on them. Absolutely. I mean, we had a guy from Connecticut, same thing. He just said, you know, just for religious, personal freedoms. I left mm-hmm. Connecticut. I, I researched all the places, ended up in South Dakota. Um, here I am and they're working here. So speaks volumes. Yeah. No, it's fun. Big volumes. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So. What I want, what I want to get into today, is the silencer or suppressor buying process. Yes, I, I've worked in a gun store myself, and, cool. I, and I know there's been some things that've changed. Like I, I could remember, I mean, this was pre-COVID. Like guys would come in with uh, fingerprints, or they'd go through. We'd have a kiosk or whatever in the store. They'd go through this process, and then there's about an eight to ten month waiting period till you get the tax stamp. But I know things have changed, and I don't know it as well as you do. Sure. And so I'd like you to kind of tell listeners. Where do they start? How do they get their hands on a suppressor? You know, they've got that rifle already. They want to introduce their kids or they, like you, they want their gun to be a little bit quieter. Where do they start? Yeah, good question. So 
You know, I would say that Silence for Central, that's been our expertise. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, I would say we're a service company. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to make the process easy. My insight of working events for, you know, almost 20 years is 100% of people who come up to the actual table, they aren't asking for a particular brand. They're asking about the process. How yeah. do I get it? You know, do I need to get a trust? How do I get other people on this? Do I have to go see the local sheriff? You know, just they have a million questions in their head that they yeah. want answered. And once they get those answered, then they're interested in acquiring. Mm-hmm. Um so I would say that um, my goal as a business was to become an expert in the process and then to work with the ATF to try to find ways to make the process better that they would agree to that would still be compliant. Yeah. Um, so really the first step I've seen is I usually say, hey, I've got you know 30 guys here in our call center at Silence for Central that that's all they do shoot every day. So the best experience, honestly, is to call them and say, hey, what, what, what do you think is the best for me? Because what a lot of people don't realize is hundred percent of people come to a show and they're like, what would I use for this rifle? What would Mm -hmm. I use for that rifle? And before you know it, I'm like, we have one that'll fit all those rifles. And they're like, what? Like you can just tell they're taken back. Like what? So I would say that step one is, you know, you get on our website, silencercentral.com. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's like any other two dimensional. It's not going to add a ton. It's a lot of information there. It could get overwhelmed. But if you call our call center, um, you know, on the websites, our phone number, just call, just ask questions. And I think what you'll find is that that becomes a new insight. People who before were hesitant to buy one because they thought they had to get one for every gun Mm -hmm. are people that were hesitant because they didn't know which one to get. Usually advice that I would give and our sales guys will give is, you know, try to get a multi-caliber because you could use it on a lot of things. Yeah. So if you're a handgun guy, get a 45, use it on a 9, a 45, a 10, a 40, kind of have one for everything. Okay. Same with rimfire. You know, if you shoot a 22, a 17, 22 mag, 22 hornet, you know, you can get one rimfire for all. Mm-hmm. Um, same with rifles, anything you're using in a center fire, particularly for like, say, hunting, 308, 223, 243, 6.5, um, through a wind mag, through a weather, any of those, you can use the same, you know, product we have for that. So, okay. you know, we're a dealer, so Silencer Central a dealer we can sell anything yep. you'll probably see a lot of the banish on our website um, again our whole motto is how do we make the process simple we're ordering a hundred thousand banish a year so they're on the shelf so that's that that's why it's simple the, the others we get mm-hmm. we have to go through a wholesaler because they won't sell to us direct um, and they go through a wholesaler there's really no incentive for the wholesaler to sell to us they can sell to any dealers which is yeah. finding inventory but the first step really is call us. We kind of help the customer figure out which one they want. Some of the obstacles that I hear from customers are, how do I get it on my barrel? We thread barrels. We mail people an empty gun case. Put your rifle in that. Uh, we use FedEx ground. They bring it They bring it right to us. We thread it. We send it back. You get to keep the case. Dang. And yeah, so we have a machine here. We have two full-time guys. One gunsmith takes the guns apart, yep. and then the machinist puts them in the CNC machine. I was watching that a little bit earlier. It's pretty sweet. I yeah. like that, how you got yeah. it right in the lobby. You walk in, you see this big machine. It's like, what the heck is that thing? Totally. You know, that's why we picked our um, our builder. He's like, you know, I bought a lot of silencers for me. I didn't even know you thread barrels. So you ought to open up and put a huge window here so people can see them and they're actually working. Yeah. Yeah. So we got several lays in there so we can accommodate almost any barrel farce threading. That's all we do here mm-hmm. in that department is threading. So we got that button down. I just mentally going to shows, I hear people say, I don't know how I'm going to get that on my gun. So mm-hmm. they, they like that. Um, the, the other thing is um, once the customer purchases, we're going to capture some information from them, either okay. from the website if they bought online or over the phone. Okay. 
So here's the best analogy I've come up with someone new to suppressors is it's just like buying a truck. It's a title transfer. Mm -hmm. So the feds have us. Silencer Central is the owner of the suppressor. Okay. We're asking the feds to retitle the ownership from us, the dealer, to you. And they'll do a background check to make sure you can lawfully own it. Mm -hmm. And they'll do that based on your fingerprints, which we'll get from you. And then also they charge a $200 tax stamp one time. Per item. So just like a truck. If you bought a truck and you're going to do a title transfer, local courthouse is going to want a little piece of it. Same concept. So again, we'd help you pick out which one you want. Okay. Uh, We let people pay while they wait. Guys like that, they always say the wife complains if you spend a lot of money, you don't get anything. So what we say is, hey, if you want to call us and put down 200 bucks and that's it, as long as you pay it off where it's done, we don't charge any interest or any fees. Really? Yeah. It's called easy pay is what we call it. It's just, um, you know, it really worked well at shows because again, I would say a hundred percent of our DNA came from shows Mm. At a show. A guy comes up, he's like, oh man, my wife would kill me. This is like buying a Yeti cooler. I'm going to pay a ton of money and not, (laughs) you know, at least with a Yeti, I can bring it home. Um, so that's when I used to just say, Hey man, why don't you give us a hundred bucks or 200 or whatever you want to put down today. Yeah. We'll get the process started. We'll get everything submitted to the feds. Okay. And then you can pay while you're waiting. And then when it's approved, just make sure you pay it off before we mail it to you. That seems reasonable. I like that. You're actually starting to convince me here. Uh, <laughs> hopefully well, my wife's not listening to this podcast, but I might leave here <laughs> with doing that. Well, what's interesting too is, you know, you find some guys that say, gosh, I'd really like to buy two or three suppressors. Just go through the process once. Mm-hmm. And then when you say, well, you know, gosh, I mean, before you were planning on paying whatever today for all of it, how about you split that up over five, six payments and we'll get you a couple. And then people are like, yeah, I'm interested. Let's do it. Let's do it. And what's good is I always say we're the single point of contact. We're the manufacturer, we're the wholesaler, we're the dealer. So we're, we're the people you're talking to the whole time. We don't have to worry Mm -hmm. about the money part because as long as we get paid before we ship it to you, we're good. Yeah. So, um, and I know I'm going into too much detail for you probably. Not but, at all, not but at the, all. But the gun trust um, is something that we typically recommend for every customer. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we do that, so you talked about laws changing. So in August of 2016, um, Obama changed some laws that required background checks for trust. So before, you know, you had to go visit your sheriff and think about the, the NFA laws were written in 1938. And back then there was no kind of federal database of felons. So the yeah. assumption was that your local sheriff would sort of vouch for you you're not a felon. That was the, the concept behind it. You still had okay. to submit fingerprints. and yeah. But that, that was the theory. So years ago when you did a trust, there was no background check because mm-hmm. it was an entity. And they asked us to do a background check when you came to pick it up. Okay. But then the law changed. So I think a lot of people thought who, when the law changed, that it was going to be harder to use a trust. So now what you see is it's about 50-50. ATF says half of their applications are with a trust. The other half aren't. So I'm going to try to do a good sales pitch on why you should get a trust. And it's free. We don't charge for it. So this is not a financial incentive. But again, I've been doing it almost 20 years. So I've seen the widows who, hey, my husband passed away. What do I do with this thing? I don't want it. Or how do I give it to his brother? Or I want my grandson to have this. You know, there's that -hmm. conversation. So what we do is we set it up in a trust. So think of it as um, almost like an LLC or an entity, which I know sounds complicated. But when I talked earlier about that silencer transferring ownership from us, silencer central, the dealer to the individual, Mm -hmm. instead it would transfer to the trust. So the trust owns it. So my last name is Maddox. So it'd be like the Maddox Gun Trust. Okay. So the silencer transfers from silencer central to the Maddox Gun Trust. But what's beautiful about this trust is... um, it doesn't have like an EIN or a tax code. It's it's there, there's no like management fees or upkeep. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, we would put just your name on it, mm-hmm. and you would be the sole person who's in charge of the trust. Okay. Now we typically put a backup, which would be someone's spouse, brother, sibling, and that person would sort of step in if you passed away. 
Got it. But the beauty of the trust is what I say is it's editable. Like you can change it. So if you buy a silencer yourself, you always have to be in possession of it. Mm -hmm. If it's being used, you have to use it. And when you die, it's a lot of paperwork to transfer it to someone else. Yeah. Whereas if you do a trust, um, anyone 18 or older, which is nice, you have to be 21 for a dealer to sell you a silencer, kind of like a handgun, Mm -hmm. but you can possess one at 18. So let's say I have an 18-year-old son. I could put him on the trust. He could hunt with it while I'm not there, and he's fine because the trust owns the silencer. And then he's on a co-owner of the trust, so he can possess the suppressor. I was going to ask that because when I used to work in the gun shop, I'd get asked that question all the time. It's totally. like, you know, do I have to be with my son if he wants to use this? Like, you know, if he's hunting on a school day when I have to work. Or... Yeah. All right, y'all. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. The Hunt Stand Podcast is brought to you by Yamaha and its full line of class-defining, adventure-seeking motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-side vehicles. Up next, Federal Premium. Go beyond what you ever thought possible with Federal Premium Terminal Ascent. Bonded construction penetrates deep on close targets while the patented slipstream polymer tip initiates expansion at velocities 200 feet per second lower than comparable designs. The bullet's long, sleek profile offers an extremely high ballistic coefficient and its AccuChannel Groove technology improves accuracy and minimizes drag. And finally, we've got WorkSharp Tools, the knife sharpening company. We just wanted to thank all of our partners of the Hunt Stand Podcast, and we're going to get right back to this episode of the Hunt Stand Podcast. You know, what No, not? that's a good analogy. Yeah, no, totally. So we manage the trust for people, and we typically mm-hmm. only put one person on there, and it's not um, – there's no nefarious reason behind that. It's just the process is already difficult enough, mm-hmm. and the more people you put on the trust, the more paperwork it is and the longer you'd have to wait. Man. So we add people to the trust after it's approved, and if you add them after it's approved, there's no background check. There's no ATF involvement. Yeah. There's no updating the feds. There's no FBI. There's no nothing. Okay. So the best approach always is to use a trust. We give it to you free. We have mm-hmm. one created custom per state. We're licensed in 42 states, so we make it go through every state so that you don't have to worry with that. Um, so the benefits also are you can pick who gets it when you pass away. Okay. And the way the trust is written is any lawful heir per state law. So it mm-hmm. doesn't specifically have to name a person because I always say I got daughters. And so I don't know if they'll want the suppressor. And unfortunately, yeah. they have boyfriends. So eventually they're going to have kids. And yeah. so there could be someone that I don't even know exists yet that may want to inherit it. So the trust just says any lawful heir per state law. So you could go to a grandkid or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. So again, the benefit of the trust is it allows joint ownership. Other people can use it yep. and it's editable. Like we'll manage it for you forever. Like after you buy your suppressor and it's approved, you could call and say, hey, I want to change it. Um, always kid that guys will call and go, you know what? She's now the ex-wife. How do we take her off? <laughs> I need her off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no problem. And now I've got a new wife. How do we add her? We do that. It's just simple forms and um, it's pretty easy. So again, the benefit of the trust mm-hmm. is you can share it and you can pick who gets it when you pass away, which is nice. And then we keep it on file. So if you buy another one, we can put them in there. And so we kind of manage that for you. I like that. Um, so going back to the buying process. So let's say you bought one. Let's yep. say you put it on easy pay. Yep. Uh, we're going to mail you some fingerprint cards. Okay. Now, again, this goes back to 1938. There was no national database like there is now that when you buy again they just do a quick background check so the statutes specifically say you got to get fingerprinted mm-hmm. so we send you a little ink and we send you a card and we send you a video on how to do your fingerprints and I always oh, say great. that i know it works because i never hear any complaints and if people complain i usually get them so <laughs> basically we send you an ink thing we mm-hmm. wa- let you watch a video and it's pretty simple you just mm-hmm. put it on this fbi blue fbi card we'll send you two of them so if you screw one of them up 
you got another one as an extra. You send it to us. We scan that thing in and we create a digital form okay. of that. Okay. The next thing we need from you is a picture of yourself. The ATF says a two by two photo. Some people interpret it as a like a passport photo. It's not yeah. that high of a quality, but a lot of times guys will get their wife to take a selfie of them on a white wall. They send it to us. We crop it up, clean it mm-hmm. up, make it look perfect. Um, Basically, at that point, we're going to also send you the digital paperwork to sign digitally. So we have a variance from the ATF to allow you to do that. So we'll send you the ATF paperwork. We'll send you sort of the form that they use to transfer the ownership. We'll send you the form they used to do the background check. Yeah. We'll send you your trust that we create for you specifically. And you'll sign those digitally. They come back to us. Now, last year, December 23rd of 2021, ATF opened up eForms again. And what we do is we'll upload your digital paperwork to ATF and a PDF. We'll upload your photo in a JPEG. We'll upload your fingerprints in an EFT file. And then we pay the $200 tax for you. And we hit submit. And I've seen people get it approved in as little as nine days. Seriously? Yes. That is fast. Now, here's the confusing part that is tough to explain, but hopefully people understand this. ATF has about 150,000 paper forms that they're working through that came in prior to that December 23rd date. So because they have so many paper forms and some of those have been waiting, like our customers have been waiting a year and a half, Mm. they've been hesitant to release many of the digital forms. Because you can imagine when I sent it, you know, I was all excited when we had an approval in nine days and I was like, God, we got to tell people this has got to help sales. Get them in nine days. Let's tell everyone. I think everyone Mm -hmm. of our, you know, 30, 40,000 customers that were waiting and have been waiting a year and a half, they all called me and yelled like, why would you rub it in my face that you got one back (laughs) in nine days and I've been waiting a year. So the ATF, believe it or not, has that same (laughs) theory. So I sense ATF is slow rolling these um, electronic approvals because they're still working through so many paper ones. Yeah. Now let's fast forward. So I'm hearing about October, they'll be down to 45 days. Oh. And at that point that, because they've said that the number of paper submissions has gone down to like, I think they said it dropped like 97%. So only 3% of applications are getting now are paper. Everything's digital. It's frictionless. Oh, and there's no, like, they did a time and motion study at the NFA branch years ago, and mm-hmm. I think they touched it 42 times from when we mail it to them, because we mail it to Oregon, yeah. Oregon Bank cashes a check, they data entry it, then it's mailed back to West Virginia, yeah. then it routes, you know, circles, and mm-hmm. then it gets background checked with the FBI, with your fingerprints. They touch it 42, 42 times, and I always use the joke that anytime the federal government touches anything 42 times, you're going to have a problem. <laughs> so now it's like 100% <laughs> digital. It's like they're sending your information to the FBI for background checks. They're getting them almost instantly um, and then we've already selected the serial number we want transferred we've already uploaded your trust you know silencer central does so many trust they're not reading our trust they know that which ones we use for each state so yeah. they're not going through and vetting those yeah um, so yeah i envision that gosh by fall um i know everyone's skeptical oh we've been here in e-forms are gonna go live forever we're hearing this we're hearing that but really it's super simple for them now i mean they've got all the kinks sort of ironed out uh, all their process flows. Yeah. So um, I think NFA is going to explode. When people hear a 45-day wait, um, I mean, we're banking on it. You know, I I always say I, that's one reason why I built this building. That's one reason why I went to 42 states. That's mm-hmm. one reason why I've committed to buying $100 million worth of silencers a year to make sure we have inventory on the shelf. Yeah. I'm convinced that the biggest issue is the paperwork. The second biggest issue is the wait time. So when you have a 45-day mm-hmm. wait time and silencer central mails it to your front door, that's a big deal. So- we submit all this to ATF. Um, 
oddly enough, the electronic forms creates accountability on us too. It tells the customer when they're approved. We get the same email they do. So they're in the loop. They know yeah. what's going on. Yeah. It's always been a problem with um, NFA customers felt like they weren't in the loop. They didn't know what's going on. They mm-hmm. feel like, you know, most of them are convinced that you cash their check and you're in a hammock somewhere in the Bahamas. You know, they just have this negative, like, what's going on here? I paid and I haven't heard from you in a year. What's going on? You know, but then once we submit it, we're updating them monthly. Mm-hmm. Typically, we're just saying, hey, we haven't heard anything. We're on top of it. That's um, good. That's you good. know, we even send lists to ATF um, of any of what I call our aged. Because oddly enough, I mean, like I said, they touch it 42 times. Nothing's mm-hmm. ever going to work right. No. We'll have people who get, like in the past, if you aren't on top of it, you'll have people that get approved and maybe they don't mail you the form back and you have no idea to know. Now, yeah. now that's fixed with digital, but yeah. we usually reach out once a month to ATF and say, hey, here's our aged ones. These are over a certain point. Mm-hmm. Can you check to see if these have been approved yet? What's their status? And we feel like that moves things along. Occasionally things get stuck. Maybe Maybe they send it to FBI. They're waiting for the background check to come back. And yeah. maybe it's a, a prod on the FBI to get it done. So, again, we're sending emails out. We're sending text messages. We're keeping people updated. Um, when it's approved, the 4473 that you do at the store, mm-hmm. we have a variance to do it digitally, oddly enough. So, we can send that via DocuSign to the customer. I was going to ask how that so works. They, so, they do that. And... Um, then we mail it to their front door. So logistically, how does that work? So uh, do you still live in Texas? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Silencer Central, 100% of our inventory sits here in Sioux Falls. So we'll mail it to our Texas location. Okay. And then from our Texas location, our full-time employee there mails it to your front door. So do y'all just have like a warehouse type location there? Or? We have a federal firearms license and a uh, SOT in every state where we're licensed. So it's wow. a full-time employee. That's what the ATF required. So we're all Sweet. about following the rules. And Heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, that guy, actually, he was here last night. He's probably here today. He'll be, okay. yeah, he's out of I'll Texas. i meet him. Yeah, he's a Fellow good guy. Texan. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. You know, what's funny is um, he used to run my license in South Carolina, believe it or not, and um, did a really good job. He was in the military. He yeah. was a recruiter. And when he got done with his military service and retired, um, at a young age, um, his wife's originally from Texas. So mm-hmm. like me, he went back to where his you know, wife's from. And yeah. yeah, he's in Texas now. So, but yeah, I mean, the process is super simple. We keep people updated. Yeah. We let them pay while they wait. We give them a free trust. We mm-hmm. manage their fingerprints. We manage their trust. Uh, we thread barrels. Gosh, I'm trying to think. Um, and we're licensed in every state where they're legal. Man. So we're ready. Um, Y'all make this. I mean, it's just such a frictionless process. I mean, and it, I've worked in a gun store before where... It was honestly a pain in the ass. Totally. I mean, you can sense it. Like a lot of places you go, they're like, oh, we don't even like selling them and we hate the paperwork. And, you know, I don't know if it's like being, I, I sometimes give this analogy of like me being a pharmacist, you know, mm-hmm. I'd never really truly, I keep my license up, but I never really truly worked in a pharmacy as a pharmacist. I worked, you know, to get your license, you had to get so many hours behind the counter and you're always looking to make sure you have the right patient, the right pill, the right bottle, yeah. the right doctor, and because it could impact someone's life. Yeah. And I think that I tried to bring that same scrutiny to serial numbers and product and customer. Absolutely. That that level of detail was just a good foundation mm-hmm. for the whole silencer thing. Because um, oddly enough, in like 2005, when I first started doing this, when I would read online, I found out 100%, not 90%, but 100% of everything I read online was wrong about class three. Yeah, it's gotten better online, but most of it was completely wrong. It was more myths and hearsay. Yeah, because there's just not enough people that had done it. You know, mm-hmm. I remember calling. Um, I called the St. Paul because that's where our ATF is based for the Dakotas. Okay, 
and I asked them for NFA questions and they were just honest that their biggest geography at that time was Minnesota and they just, they had no experience with them and they just couldn't answer basic questions about NFA and it's not a knock on ATF. It was just a reality for me that if I'm going to be in a highly regulated business, I'm going to have to really learn it myself. Yeah. I can't rely on calling the feds and asking them, well, what do you mean here? And how do I do this? They just didn't have enough awareness of it at that time. So that's when I just doubled down and said, okay, I'm going to read every book I can find. I'm going to go to every compliance conference I can find. Mm-hmm. And anytime the ATF's presenting, I'm sitting on the front row and I ask them questions afterwards. And then once they get to know you and they see you have a, you know, intent of really understanding it and wanting to comply. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like they call me if they got a problem, like, Hey, how are you doing this? We just want to make sure you're doing it right, which <laughs> yeah. we're fine with. But um, yeah, it's a more of an open communication now. If I have a, yeah. you know, a, a, they know who you are. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. They, they said they get, at one time they were getting 300 calls a week asking how we were mailing suppressors when we were doing a lot of direct to consumer advertising, yeah. which we still do, but there's a lot of questions of how can they do that? And the simple answer is that, um, FBI does the background check for us, and there's a federal statute that says if no background check is required when you buy a firearm, then you don't have to meet face-to-face. And that's 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 the sort of the catch behind all of it. FBI already did the background check for that silencer when they sent us the approval, mm-hmm. and there's no additional background check required after that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I can just remember just from the process perspective, like guys would come in. Some and we either had a kiosk or we didn't have a kiosk, and they would use that, or they might have to go to uh, their local uh, post office or social security office, or if there was like an office that strictly did fingerprints, they'd have to go and do that. Then they'd have to come back, and it was just this you could tell it was a painful process. And totally. then when they're waiting 14, 15 months, they're yeah. calling you up at like 11 and they're like where's my can at yeah. where's my can it's like, yeah <laughs> it's not here yet man it's totally. we're waiting we're waiting and so what y'all have done i mean it's just you've completely like eliminated friction yeah it's nice i mean i think that um i always say we're the single point of contact mm-hmm. so we're the manufacturer we're the wholesaler we're the dealer so they work with us the whole time so i think that helps also with the process you only have one point of contact call us with yeah. questions um you know, I think the hard part, the, so the really the, the good insight for me was working shows for 20 years. Yeah. I could hear the feedback from people like what went well, what mm-hmm. didn't go well. And I didn't have to ask. They told me. Yeah. And then um, I could see what would encourage them to buy another one. And a smooth process is what encouraged people to go, I think I want another one. Oh, yeah. Because like I said, for me, this the unsmooth process is what made me create this business because I couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing for the customer. If they have a smooth process, they tell their friends, mm-hmm. um, they buy another one. So it's kind of a win-win. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I always hear people say that silencers are kind of like, uh, potato chips. You can't just have one. And I, that's what I always said. I always <laughs> tell my team, more. man. Yeah. I always tell my team, I'm like, gotta keep these people happy because, uh, they're, they're going to want another one and we want them oh, to yeah. think of us when they want another one. So let's make sure they have a smooth process. And, you know, you know, speaking back to sort of like the history of the organization, mm-hmm. I mean, there's been times where we weren't where we needed to be. Like we'd grow too quick, like Obama changed some rules and we went from selling, you know, a couple hundred, like thousands. And then, you know, every time we've had huge gross, I mean, e-forms gave us a huge growth mm-hmm. i mean that's why we needed this bigger building so we could hire more employees and have the processes Absolutely. in place and, uh i feel like we're finally there we got it where yeah. now someone buys when it's super smooth but there's been some rough around the way just getting the right people yeah. on the bus here internally getting the right technology in place working with atf to make sure they're um okay with our processes mm-hmm. so they're compliant and also uh are efficient for the customer i like it man so are there any 
Are there any other aspects or things that the customer or our listener should think about when it comes to the buying process for suppressor outside of what you've talked about already? No, that's a good question. I mean, sometimes people specifically ask us about, say, the banished products. Okay. Um, you know, I came from a hunting environment here in the Dakotas, and that's what most of my customers were. Mm-hmm. So our our focus typically has been lightweight and quiet, yeah. and also come apart to clean. Mm-hmm. You know, if you shoot prairie dogs, you could shoot three or four hundred rounds in a day. <laughs> and a guy that goes out and shoots a thousand rounds in a weekend or yeah. a week wants to be able to clean that suppressor. So the Banish Thirty comes apart to clean, which is nice. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say there's probably forty percent of guys that are obsessed with seeing what's inside there, and ours not welded, so you can take it apart. Okay, the baffles also um, are stacked, which is always the quietest Mm -hmm. and they also you can rotate the order they're all the same Mm -hmm. so what's cool is you don't have to worry about too much wear on that first baffle in the banish 30 because you can rotate it every time you take it apart and clean it you're never going to put it back together in the same order because they're just going to you know just mathematical probability you're not going to be able to get them in the same order so you're always getting different not that you know some people worry about wear on the first baffle it's more so for like a short barrel rifle but Mm -hmm. again just having them where you can rotate them is nice okay um also, we do like titanium. We've just found over the last 20 years that titanium is strong. It's expensive to machine. It's mm-hmm. expensive to source. But, um, you know, the look on a guy's face when you hand him a titanium silencer versus stainless steel, it's 100% nine day. <laughs> so titanium, that's super lightweight. It, it feels like aluminum, but it's mm-hmm. got the strength of, you know, titanium. Yeah. So we probably spend more than most of our, um, you know, competitors, but we feel like it's the right thing to do. It's lightweight oh, yeah. and it's quiet. Um so, yeah, I mean, that's the big question we get is on the Banish, and we have the Banish for like a 338, for that 30 will go up to like a Weatherby, a RUM, so you can use it, you know, up and down the spectrum. Like um, and since it comes apart to clean, you could even run rimfire through it if you wanted because you could get the lead out. Uh, we have a Banish 45, works on all your handguns, 9, 10, hmm. uh, 40, 45. Um, and then we have the Banish 22, works on the Hornets, and, you know, 5.7 and 22, 22 mag. Okay. Uh, we have a Banish 46, which is good for your straight wall cartridges. A lot of states, you have to use straight wall cartridge for hunting, yeah. 450. Um, yeah, no, we have, we basically have everything a customer needs. They just call us up and we, again, we make the process easy because we're licensed in every state. Um, I, I would say people always ask me who our biggest competitor is. I'd say it's somebody not buying. They just yeah. think the process is too hard or they don't like the idea of taking the risk of putting something on their gun. They're afraid it's going to hurt accuracy. You know, it always speeds the bullet up. It's almost having like a longer barrel, mm-hmm. which is sometimes hard to convince people. It also helps accuracy. Always remind people that hole through the middle is bigger than a bullet. Nothing's touching. Yep. Just having that extra weight on the end of the barrel helps the recoil, which a lot of people forget that it reduces recoil the same as a brake would. Yeah. And typically, when you have a little, a little extra weight on the end of the barrel, it's almost like a bull barrel. You're going to see tighter groups. It's just going to be more consistent. So that's, you know, people worry about it slowing down their bullet. No, it speeds it up. People worry about accuracy. No, if you have your barrel threaded correctly and it's not touching anything, you're going to see tighter groups. Heck yeah. So I know we're we're just about out of time here, so I got one final question for you. Yes, sir. What is your favorite suppressor? Favorite, Banish 30 for sure, 100%. Banish 30? Yeah, it's like 90% of our business. I mean, people love the lightweight. They love it's modular. Mm-hmm. You can make it, you know, comes nine inches. You can shoot it in seven inches or nine, comes apart to clean. Um, titanium just feels premium. Gosh, when you pick that up, it's super light. Um, I, I was prairie dog hunting last week. I used it on my 22250, so it's universal where you can use it on smaller calibers and bigger calibers. Uh. Um, 
All the way up to like a 6.5 PRC, 300 yes. Win Mag? Yes, 100%. Yep. I think you just sold me. Yeah. No, they're addictive, man. It's like, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's funny. I just had a guy walk in the front door. He said, hey, I saw you're doing open house. I want to bring you guys some stuff. He's like, I bought, you know, the, he bought what we used to call like the Varmeter 2.0, Varmeter 3.0, and it mm-hmm. was sort of the predecessor to the Banish. And he's like, he's like, if you ever get any questions, I've got 20,000 rounds through mine. I shoot Prairie Dogs all the time. He said, I love it. I love Thank taking you. it apart. It's just, it's been a dream come true for him and his family, which is weird to have someone come in and tell you that for a silencer or an accessory That's to their farm. Cool. But yeah, no, definitely the Banish 30 for sure. hundred percent. Well, I will definitely be sure to put the link for, and down in the description for that below. So... Man, before before we part ways, do you have any kind of parting wisdom for the listeners out there in regards to this whole process? Yeah, it's a good question. I would say that everyone is hesitant to jump in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even meet people in the industry they're like, oh, I never bought one because of the process. Um, I would say that, you know, hopefully they can trust me as someone who's been doing it since 2005. Take that step. Um, you know, of course, my girls, since I do this, have an interest in it just because of what I do. But yeah. I've seen it. Sh- it makes them more interested in shooting. I think it's it's a way yeah. to bring more people into hunting and into yeah. shooting. I always say the two negatives in shooting are recoil and sound. And mm-hmm. if you can help mitigate both of those, you're in a good situation. Absolutely. So the people out there that are on the fence, they just need a little wind. Hopefully I'm that wind today to get them pushed over to say, hey, let me give Silencer Central a call and figure out how easy they make the process. Heck yeah, man. I love it. Well, man, I really appreciate it. You got a busy day today. <laughs> I really appreciate you taking time for hopping on the podcast. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Been an honor. All right, y'all. There you go into another episode hopefully after listening to brandon and us talking about the whole suppressor buying process you're a little bit better informed now about how to get it done if you have any questions make sure you head on over to silencer central's website if you have any questions contact them their support team their customer service team they are great they get back to you as soon as possible i know this is a fact because i myself am going through the suppressor buying process and so they got back to me within four minutes and i was very impressed by that so if you want head on over to silencer central's website start the process they can answer all your questions there help you out but nonetheless we just want to thank all y'all for tuning into the hunt stand podcast if you haven't yet make sure you're either subscribed rate review it greatly helps us out we really appreciate it y'all we hope that you have a very happy and safe fourth of july with all your family and friends and we'll see you on the next one search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv in wild country 
Rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.